Hi, Cornerstone. It's Pastor Justin back for another week of the Community Podcast. I hope you are all doing well, especially during this unique season. When a disaster hits, there are certain things that must shift in order to handle the circumstances. COVID has been attention-grabbing, to say the least. But there are other things in our personal lives, our relationships, and our communion with God that have been going on long before this time. The homily from Ruth coming up is very fitting for today, as many of us are in closer, tighter proximity with our households, with nowhere else to go. We want to pray and have compassion for those who are stuck in unhealthy scenarios. We also want to be a people following Christ, nurturing relationships that are closest to us, being humble towards one another while pursuing some tough conversations that we've put on the back burner for way too long. God uses others to sanctify us and to grow us. I remember thinking that I wasn't that selfish of a person, and then I got married. I remember thinking that I didn't have any type of anger or temper issues. Then we had kids. These everyday relationships continue to matter in the midst of a disaster. Our spiritual lives are not disconnected from the practical. Christian writer Os Guinness wrote that the person who is spiritual without being practical ends in being unspiritual, and the person who is practical without being spiritual ends in being impractical. God, on the other hand, is the one who becomes the most down-to-earth in the Incarnation. It is the divine that is the most truly human in Jesus. And it is the one most truly spiritual that is practical. So Cornerstone, be still, be courageous, be present, be intentional in presenting yourself before the Lord and before your family, whether that family is by an earthly heritage or a spiritual one. As we enter into worship, you'll hear some fellowship notes from a few people who left voicemails this week. Then Peter will do the call to worship. Fred will give an exhortation. Ruth will preach the message. And Terry and Tessa will pray for the two churches we're interceding for this month. Joy will also lead us in some songs. Fear the Lord, all you saints, for all those who fear the Lord lack no good thing. Cornerstone. This is Matt. And I just wanted to say that over the course of the past couple of weeks, I've been cataloging in my head all of the things that I am missing and frustrated with. And then in so doing that, God has revealed to me all of the things that I still do have. And there's a long list of those, but I am very grateful for the body of Christ and simple phone calls and emails and text messages that we've received from people checking in on us to see how we're doing. And we feel very encouraged um, by those little things, which are actually really big things. And so I'm so grateful for those relationships in the body of Christ. At Cornerstone, love you. Bye. Hey, Cornerstone, this is Annie Martin. Um, So I want to share a little bit that I wrote in my uh, testimony journal about my wrestling with 
time management of it and how God has helped me. Um, so here it is. Time. It's like the wind. Sometimes exciting, calm, or life-giving, and other times gripping and frighteningly rough. Now there seems an abundant opportunity for us to stare each other down, soul to soul. I've tried to wrestle him to the ground and steal control from his clasped fingers. But then I find myself stripped of all my strength and will without the will or hope to move. From this helpless state, my soul whispers, help. In a quiet, kind voice, with more gentle strength and encouraging tones I ever thought possible, reaches my heart. Come this way with me. Here, take my hand. And with your strong arm, you help me stand. And help me, with me, take a small step. Love you, Cornerstone. Bye. Hi, Cornerstone. This is Courtney Hershey. I hope you are all doing well. But if you are not doing so well, I wanted you to know that I'm with you. I've been struggling, too. I've really missed all those things that I have counted as blessings in my my life. My work, my preschool kids, my friends, you guys at Cornerstone, um, track my kids' events, and the list goes on and on. I really miss all of those things. But as I was reading this morning, I came across Ephesians 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. And that reminded me that we have not lost any of the spiritual blessings that we have been given by Jesus and that they can never be taken away from us. And even if everything else is gone, we still have Jesus in all the ways that he has blessed us spiritually. And so I'm trying to live in that. And I hope that you can live in that too. Um, I hope to see you guys soon and many blessings to you. Bye. Hi, Cornerstone. This is Lydia. I've been missing seeing all my friends, but one thing I've been enjoying about staying home all this time is I've been getting to do lots of reading, and I really enjoy that. I hope everyone else who has to stay home is getting to do the things they like, too. Bye! The Call to Worship from Romans chapter 8 verses 6 to 11, the New Living Translation. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ 
living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have never been in such a time as now, not having been alive to experience the Spanish flu epidemic of 1918. We are cautioned against gathering in groups or coming in close contact with people outside our family, and this is creating a real sense of isolation. Remember, we were made for fellowship. Common advice these days to deal with the situation is to distract. And so to overcome this isolation and its weary companion, boredom, Cindy and I have taken to short driving trips down local roads we've never been on before. Funny thing though, one of the meanings of distract is to be absent. And we realized that by not being fully present in the moment, we were not focusing on God's beauty all around us. We recently took part in the Cornerstone Lent Art Project where you're given a word and the goal is to take a picture that reflects this word. The benefit of this exercise is that you need to focus on the word and then look around to find its meaning in the world around you. So applying this same principle, let's try a different approach. Let's stop trying to distract ourselves. Instead, let's focus. Let's focus on what God is showing us. Let's focus on who he is. Let's focus on his promises and his beauty right now in this moment. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Our hearts are set on eternity. This current situation will pass as all others have before it. Look now for the beauty that is in this time.
Cornerstone family. This is Ruth Martin um, and I am just one of the members of Cornerstone. I'm not a pastor or anything, just a member, but I am giving the message today. It has been a weird couple of weeks and please know that I love and miss you all. I so look forward to seeing us all worshiping together again and hearing our voices, praising our Father I also so miss seeing your kids, both like running around dancing during worship, and I miss being with them upstairs. Kids, if you're listening, I hope that the memory verse is still going strong, Jeremiah 1, 7 and 8. I think we are perhaps getting a taste of Paul's longing for his churches when he could not be with them in person. I also just want to briefly thank Laura, Ron, and Justin for last week's devotional. Annie and I, my sister, we had a really good Sunday morning um, at 9.15. We listened to the forum podcast. Afterwards, we had a little Cornerstone Cafe at home. And then at 10.30, we listened to the devotional. And it was just so sharp and spot on. I think during Ron's um, This Is My Father's World, I think we both were crying. And it was just so, so beautiful um, to be with you in spirit, even though we weren't with you physically. I want to begin by praying. Jesus, your goodness is steadfast and strong. You are Lord and King. You are before all things and in you all things hold together. We ask that you hold your creation together. Hold your body together. Help us to see what you want us to see. Help us to understand what you are teaching us. We have so much to be thankful for, and we give you thanks, for you are good, and your steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Today's passage is Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is your acceptable duty in the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, or they may lose heart. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, not only while being watched and in order to please them, but wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever your task, put yourselves into it, as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong has been done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, for you know that you also have a master in heaven. 
In normal circumstances, this is not the scripture I am naturally drawn towards. Justin asked me back in December to speak on these verses, so I have been mulling over this passage for almost four months. And even though the current circumstances have given me a totally different frame through which I now read these verses, the message Paul gave to the Colossians 2,000 years ago is still relevant for us now in coronavirus era, March 2020. Also, quick thanks to all the people, both men and women, who had conversations with me about these verses and helped me work through some of my baggage regarding this passage. I am so grateful for you, and I treasure those conversations. If any of you listening have baggage related to this or similar passages, I encourage you to re-listen to Barry's message from February and perhaps have some conversations with others about your thoughts and questions. Passages like Colossians 3.18-4.1 through 4, 1 are often called household codes, writings that give basic instructions to households. And what households looked like in the first century was somewhat similar to the modern family unit, unit though the ancient household included slaves as well. Hopefully none of you have slaves in your families. The premise of these households strongly aligned with the structure of the ruling empire, which at the time of this letter to the Colossians was Rome. Roman emperors were often called father of the fatherland and were at the top of the figurative pyramid of the empire. The health of the empire was built upon the health of all the little households that made up the empire. At the top of all these individual households was the head, the husband, the father, the master. And as all of Rome was to be subservient to the emperor, all the other members of the individual households were to serve the head. In his writings on politics, the Greek philosopher Aristotle gave a breakdown of what these three core relationships in the household were to look like. In each of the relationships, there is a hierarchy, and at the top of the hierarchy is the head, the master, father, husband. The slave is a possession for the benefit of the master. The wife is to obey the commands of the husband, and the children are to follow the instruction and teaching of the father. The basic Greco-Roman standard regarding households was men keep your household in good order for the health of the empire. As the emperor rules over the empire, so you are to rule over your family. This is somewhat different from our modern understandings of family, but we still see some of those dynamics present in our culture. We still tend to think in terms of hierarchy. Who is at the top? How can I get to the top? I need to be in control. We also see brokenness and hostile divisions between men and women, between generations, and between those in power and those who do not have positions of power. We can all come up with real-life examples of these broken dynamics at work, and at times these patterns can creep into church communities and into our homes. When we read verses like these in Colossians, we can feel like Paul is affirming those divisions and affirming the Roman hierarchical setup of households. But let's zoom out a bit. Perhaps Paul is communicating something different. Might he be painting a picture of an alternative countercultural household? In Colossians, the whole letter, Paul uses two key titles for God and for Jesus. Four times Paul calls God Father, three times in his opening, and once right before today's passage in verse 17. And of Jesus, 
Paul uses the word Lord 14 times. Eight of those times are right here in this passage, including verse 17. The Greek word for Lord is Kyrios. This is not just another name for Jesus. It's not like Mr. Jesus, Lord Jesus. Kyrios is used two other times in Colossians, not in reference to Jesus. These two times are also in this household passage. And in these two instances, our Bibles translate Kyrios as masters in reference to earthly masters. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Masters, treat your slaves. Kyrios, both Lord and master, is a term for masters who own slaves, but also a title Paul uses for Jesus 14 times in Colossians. These terms for God and for Jesus, Father, Lord, can be used so often in our culture that we are numb to what they communicate. Might Paul be pointing out that there is a radically different household? The Roman Empire might say Caesar is Father and Lord and Master, but Paul says God is Father and Jesus is Lord and Master. If Caesar was the Father and Lord of Rome, of whom is God the Father? Of whom is Jesus Lord and Master? The church. There is a different household. Since God is our Father and Jesus is our Lord and Master, I would say the household passage is not just these couple verses, but all of chapter 3, which describes how God's family, the church, is to interact with one another. And one could also make the case that the whole book of Colossians describes the nature of this kingdom household. A key element of this kingdom household is found in verse 11 of chapter 3. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. In God's family, in Christ, all divisions between people are erased. The letter to Philemon also illuminates this point so well. Paul writes to the Colossian believer Philemon, at the same time that he's writing to the church in Colossae, he writes to Philemon regarding his slave Onesimus, who had run away. And Paul encourages Philemon to now receive Onesimus back as a beloved brother, not as a slave. This change of relationship is also hinted at in today's passage, verse 24, to slaves. You know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. An inheritance is something only children receive, and here Paul says slaves will receive an inheritance. The implication is that in God's family, in Christ, slaves become children. This is radically upside down from the Roman culture. Not only do slaves become sons and daughters, but in Philippians 2, we read that Jesus, our Lord, took the form of a slave. We find this in the Gospels as well. This upside down, breaking down of divisions is so crazy, so opposite of how we understand reality. God is our Father. Jesus is our Lord who serves and loves us. And we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Also in chapter 3, we discover that the way we are to interact with each other is modeled on how God interacts with us. The second half of verse 13. Just as the Lord, Kyrios, has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. 
Because Jesus is our model, we must let our broken understanding of relating to others be reshaped to the way of Jesus. I think this is what Paul has in mind when he says in verse 2, set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. We are to have the mind of Christ, not in some Gnostic hyper-spiritual sense, The mind of Christ is a different way of thinking, and this impacts the way we interact with people, with our church family, with our biological families. All of chapter 3 contrasts this earthly way of thinking, the old self way, self-focused, individualistic, greedy, abusing others with our words, versus the new self way, the in Christ renewal way, loving each other as Christ loves us. Now comes the rubber meets the road. Let's do this now. As our father relates to us, his children, and our Lord relates to us as his people, so the church is to relate to each other. And as we, the church, relate to each other, so we are to relate to those we are in closest relationships with, serving, considering others across gender lines across generational lines, and across power and authority lines. This way of living, love, obedience, being considerate of others, is not based on the social hierarchy identity of slave, wife, child, or husband, father, master, but rooted in our identity in Christ. Christ is our life. Are we children or parents or spouses or people in or under authority? Yes. But the instruction to love is not because you are a kid or a woman or a man or a parent or the boss. The instruction to love comes from our identity in Christ. Because our Father loves us, so we are to love each other. Our relationships are not to take an earthly form, serving only the one at the top of the earthly household pyramid or what we see often in our modern culture, serving only ourselves. Instead, in these verses, we discover that whatever role we have in our relationships, we are to serve the other, to put their interests above our own. If you are feeling like, oh man, this love is something that I need to muster up the strength to accomplish, may I remind you of Jim Eikenberry's message a few weeks ago. This new life is not something we work up and do. It is a reality given as a gift if we are in Christ. So this way of living is not something we work up and do. Instead, this kingdom way of life is something we submit to. We submit to Christ's rule. We obey and follow Christ, who is our life. We submit ourselves to the renewing work of the Spirit. Is this easy? No. But this is the way of the cross. This is the way of resurrection and new life in Christ gospel between us. So what does this mean right now? We are all in different situations. Some of us are living with other people, some of us are on our own, and we all have different personalities as well. What are your family members, both in Christ and biological, what are they experiencing? And it's going to be different from what you are experiencing. I cannot tell you how this kingdom household is to look in your closest relationships on a practical ground level, but I can encourage you to lean in towards each other. Put the screens down. Yes, call and check on the people outside your home. Please keep doing that. 
but don't neglect the people right in front of you. I think a hard but necessary question to ask the people around us, not just now, but also in normal circumstances, is how can I be a better daughter, a better son, a better sibling, a better spouse, a better parent, a better boss, employee, a better friend to you right now? Ask them to be honest and have open and listening ears to what they have to say. And on the flip side, we too need to be willing to be vulnerable and honest about what is going on inside us, our needs, and our emotions. I will also say to families, it's good to laugh together and intentionally have fun together right now. Church family, remember to guard each other against the patterns we see in our world. The patterns of fear or complaining or hopelessness. Let thanksgiving be on our lips, even though it is culturally acceptable to speak fearfully or critically. May we put Colossians 3.16 into practice right now. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. On a practical level, please continue to share with each other how God is speaking to you, what you are thankful for, how God has been present. If you are finding helpful practices during this time, please share it with us. Cornerstone, remember that though our current way of life has changed and might be forever changed, the kingdom way of life has not changed and will not change. What we have been called to, let us continue to live out. We are God's reconciled family. Let us live as his reconciled family, and also reflect this way of family out to our world. I'm going to steal Paul's words from Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Cornerstone, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. Our Father... Thank you for reconciling us to yourself. Thank you for your patience with us as we struggle to love each other as you love us. We confess that the way we treat each other is often not your way. Teach us how to love. Teach us how to speak. Teach us how to see and discern the needs of others, of our parents, our spouses, our siblings, our children. As your children, We need your leading in the relationships we have with each other and also in the greater community. Show us how we are to conduct ourselves. Help us as we steward this strange time and season. We need your help. We need you. Remind us of your hope. Remind us of your power. Remind us of your lordship over our broken world. Heal us. Renew us in knowledge according to your image, our good creator. We praise and thank you. Thank you for your vast loving kindness. In the name of your Son, our Lord, Jesus our King. Amen. Who, O Lord, could save themselves, their own soul? Could heal. Our shame was deeper than the sea. 
your grace is deeper still. Who, oh Lord, could save themselves, their own soul could heal. Our shame was deeper than the sea. Your grace is deeper still. You alone can rescue, you alone can save, you alone can lift us from the grave. You came down to find us, led us out of death. To you alone belongs the highest praise.
Hi Cornerstone, this is Tessa. I'm going to pray for South Lebanon Community Church, if you would join me at home. Lord, I thank you for our brothers and sisters at South Lebanon Community Church. I thank you that they love you and want to honor you in this time. I thank you for their leaders. I ask for protection for their leaders as they navigate this season, which is really difficult. I pray that you would give them particular wisdom and discernment as they make decisions about how to shepherd their people well, how to use technology or not, how to connect with one another in a meaningful way and in a safe and respectful way. Just give them insight, Lord, into those decisions. I pray for protection for the body, particularly for older members, and I pray against loneliness and isolation that might be taking place at home, again, especially for older members. I pray that the body would really come together during this time, even when they can't physically gather. I pray that they would have an abundance of love and just see a greater unity in their body. I want to pray particularly Psalm 143.8 over our brothers and sisters. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. God, you have the answers for us in this time. You have companionship for us when we're lonely. You have sufficiency for all of our needs. And I just pray that South Lebanon Community Church would ring loud with testimony of your goodness, of your steadfast love and that you would reveal to them the way that they should walk. Amen. Hi, this is Terry McCumber. I'm going to be praying for Drexel Hill Church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege and the opportunity that we as a body had to walk with Drexel Hill through some pretty difficult times. We thank you so much, God, for your faithfulness. We thank you that you love your bride, the church. We thank you, God, that uh, they claimed 1 Peter 5.10 as, as a verse that you have fulfilled beautifully in their church body. God, uh, you as the God of all grace, you yourself have restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established them, just as you promised. We thank you for that. Father, we thank you for the area that they're located in. We thank you, God, for the facility you've given them. We thank you, God, for the blessing that they can be in their neighborhood, in that city, in, in that region, God. We thank you for the opportunity that they've had to have the, the Children's Academy, Sunrise. Um, we thank you for the ministry that that has been to parents. God, I don't know what the situation is right now with all that's happening. I'm assuming they had to close down. I pray that as uh, the people who are administrating in that area uh, minister to those parents who don't have child care now, God, that they would just uh, be a light shining for you. Father, I pray as this situation that we're facing with uh, the COVID virus continues and, and people are not allowed out, that uh, Drexel Hill would be sensitive to the needs of those around them. Uh, perhaps with food or, or whatever is necessary, God. I just pray that they would be open to your leading there. 
God, there's uh, something about joy and anticipation in the word bride, and Drexel Hill is your bride. And God, I pray that uh, they look forward with joy and anticipation to what it is that you're going to continue to do in and through their body. We pray that you would bless their leadership. We pray that you would keep their hearts open to teaching. And Father, that your grace would just abound in that place and spill over into the area around them. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks to everyone who served in creating today's message. For the benediction, I'm reminded of something Jason Brubaker said a few months ago. We were in the Colossians Bible reading group sharing reflections, and Jason pointed out how the letter ends with Paul saying, remember my chains, and how Paul, in prison, confined and shackled to some degree, took the time and energy, both spiritually and practically, to write, to communicate, to encourage the Colossians in that area. It can be so easy to become self-focused that we miss what else is going on that God would have us attend to. So Cornerstone from Philippians chapter 2, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, in Christ Jesus. Amen.